Hi, and welcome to The Acorn, the podcast that drops a little bit of psychoeducation so you can gain a better understanding of the therapy world and yourself. So without further ado, let's jump into our episode. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of The Acorn. Today, I will be interviewing psychotherapist Shanique Victoria Edwards about Black mental health in Canada. Welcome, Shanique. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you are here, and I'm so glad that we get a chance to talk about this topic that is super important. So I'm going to just take a moment to brag on my girl a bit, okay? Shanique Victoria is a psychotherapist here in Ontario, Canada. She is a knowledge and translation specialist with the Condal Center for Child and Youth Depression at CAMH. She is a mental health consultant with Black Mental Health Canada, and she is a public speaker. She also serves on the steering committee for the Health Research Council for People of African Descent. Her areas of research focus are on racial trauma and mental health resilience. Shanique is a passionate advocate for the diverse and unique mental health needs of BIPOC individuals. Shanique, girl, thank you for being here and sharing your invaluable insights today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is a privilege and an honor, really. It is. (laughs) All right. So as I look at this topic of Black mental health in Canada, I really think it's important that I locate myself as a psychotherapist. So from my perspective, as a Black woman from Caribbean descent, there are many reasons why I would see that people who share a very similar background to me would actually refuse to seek out mental health supports. For some, there's a prevailing thought of, yeah, we just don't do that in our culture. For others, let's keep it real, they have tried to seek out supports and they have been met with therapists who due to a lack of cultural awareness or even cultural competency have minimized their experiences. Mm -hmm. And that has actually done way more harm than good. And for others yet, economically, it's just hard sometimes to access quality mental health supports. So that's the lens that I'm looking at this through. Mm -hmm. However, Shanique, you have looked at the research And you know, from your perspective, what is actually impacting Black Canadians. So what are some of the major barriers for Black Canadians when it comes to accessing mental health care? Yeah, I think you touched on, you know, many of the ones that are actually popping up in research, to be honest. I I will preface by saying, unfortunately, within the Canadian context, there is not a lot of race-based data. And so a lot of the data that we are pulling, you know, from the research to speak about the Black context uh, is mainly based on, you know, the American context, which is, you know, not that it's 100% different than that of of the Canadian. It looks different, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, Canada does have its own history of of, of, uh, colonialism, of slavery, Mm -hmm. things like that, that we don't really talk about overtly, nor do we really um, shed much light about its impact, even on later generations. Mm-hmm. But we do know it's very um, uh, overt within the states, right? And so their kind of explanations and their experiences will be a slightly different than ours. And as well as from the UK, the UK has a lot of race-based data. However, what we are seeing is that a stigma plays a significant role 
in um, just apprehension, you know, for many black people who enter into mental health care, especially black men, uh, their routes to mental health services oftentimes are by way of incarceration, mm-hmm. right? And so adding a trauma like that to then kind of, you know, trying then to open up the door to mental health support that is not culturally affirming, that is not uh, safe, that it does not take into consideration our historical and our cultural context, um, can also do a lot of harm. Um, As you mentioned as well, cost. Cost is a significant barrier. Um, We, there have been many studies that highlighted, you know, COVID-19 was it was so detrimental, you know, just overall to the well-being of Black people and specifically financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're asking people to, you know, shell out hundreds of dollars when they're finding it very difficult to put food on their table. And as you mentioned, you know, even if they are able to shell out those hundreds of dollars, they may not be getting adequate, you know, therapy. They may not be getting therapy that is, again, culturally affirming or, or, or um, culturally safe for them. Mm-hmm. And they may be seeing a therapist who just, A, has not even done their own work on themselves. Mm. And so that could be contributing uh, as well to trauma. Um, And I would say, you know, the other thing is, you know, in regards to access um, is that we do uh, find that there are kind of, you know, readily available services in communities other than our own. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I'm glad to see that there has been some changes with that. Peel just opened up uh, a black centered health center, which does have, you know, one of their programs is focused on mental health. But that is, you know, one community of so many, yeah. you know, where, you know, black people desperately need it. And I think as well, our understanding of mental health and our presentation of mental health is a lot different, I would say, than what is portrayed in mainstream media. Mm -hmm. You know, I think myself coming from a Caribbean background, I'm sure there were times when my mom, for example, I I grew up in a single parent household, and I'm sure that there were times when my mom was depressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, now as a therapist, I could clearly see that there were times when perhaps her life and and things that were going on with her made her depressed, Mm -hmm. but she still got up and she went to work. She didn't have the luxury of being able to stay at home and and, and taking time off. You know, she Mm -hmm. still had to parent, like all of these different things where individuals from our community who may be having mental health challenges may be very high functioning. Mm -hmm. And so some of these kind of prescriptive ways of analyzing symptoms, we don't sometimes within Mm -hmm. these uh, boxes and so for us it's kind of like oh you know maybe it's not mental health maybe it's just that I I just need to you know trudge along or you know maybe I'm just having a bad day because we don't necessarily have that language as well within our Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. I love that you just touched on that fact around like high functioning depression amongst black women because a lot of the language that even we get that we then internalize is around strength We have to be strong. We have to be strong for our families. We have to be strong for our community. We have to be strong for everyone around us. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that then is giving that message that we can't take that break. And so when we have, especially with the research in North America, where it's looking at these factors of depression, this is what depression looks like, but it doesn't then translate through that cultural lens. That's hard, Mm -hmm. right? That's hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I love the fact that you just highlighted that because that's an important factor. It's an important piece. Because representation matters, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard for us to say we're going to go and and, um, access a service that we don't even feel like we identify in, right? And so 
when we're not seeing representation of what it looks like and how uh, kind of mental illness or uh, or even mental well-being, how that presents in our community, what does it look like to actually be operating at your best self mentally, mm-hmm. right, for our community? That's not something that, at least, you know, for me, was ever really, you know, kind of tabled. And so when I was having kind of my own personal off times, mm-hmm. it was really hard to kind of I identify myself because a lot of the constructs were not made for people whose lives are are like mine you know simple things like having to coach coach um switch right Mm -hmm. even in high school and the pressure that comes with that and not really kind of understanding and being able to acknowledge that okay i'm not okay with it like Mm -hmm. i'm not feeling okay with this i know it's something that i may end up having to to show up and do but it doesn't feel good. So, you know, how can I, how can I, you know, be kind to myself? How can I support myself? What does that support look like? Where could I find it? Mm-hmm. You know, those types of conversations that I'm hoping that, um, you know, as we progressively move at having more of these conversations, uh, that, the, you know, the younger generation will be able to have a bit of that representation. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think the younger generation, they are having those conversations a little bit more. And I'm so grateful for that when I see that happening. And so we touched on a little bit non-BIPOC therapists. And if someone is out there and they're like, you know what, I do want to be able to support Black Canadians, how can they do so with even more cultural sensitivity in their own client care? Mm I mean, I think first and foremost is identifying that you, you need to do this work. I think that's the first hurdle, right? There's a lot of people, especially within the Canadian context, you know, colorblindness is a big thing Mm -hmm. in Canada, right? We don't see color. But for you not to see color specifically in your clients is for you to deny a significant part of their identity Mm -hmm. because they operate in a world that does see color. We operate in social systems that does see color and judges upon that color um, and oftentimes disadvantages and marginalizes people based on that color. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the types of things that individuals may be showing up in the space the, and that may be the root of a lot of what they are facing. That may be the root of maybe some of the trauma they face or the depression or the anxiety that they're having, uh, just to name a few. And so, you know, I think it's important, you know, if you are a non-BIPOC therapist, and I would even equally say as a BIPOC therapist, mm-hmm. you know, I think as a, um, a Black Canadian, I grew up here, you know, my family is from the West Indies. However, my whole sense of self is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at times I felt quite disconnected from this idea of even, you know, racism. It, to me, it was almost as if like, you know, maybe it didn't really exist, right? And it wasn't until I was in the workforce, you know, mm-hmm. and that was my experience because of you know, my upbringing and, and just kind of my different social contexts as I, as I grew up, um, that, yeah, I never really had much encounters with, you know, overt forms of racism, Mm -hmm. um, until I entered the workforce. And so I think it's important, you know, for even BIPOC therapists to recognize that we need to do our own work on what it means to be black Mm -hmm. and, and non-BIPOC, um, therapists need to do their own work, uh, on what it means to have their, um, racial identities but then from there you have to be committed to doing that work too right Mm -hmm. so whether it is some trainings that you may need to do reading books um having you know those tough conversations and sometimes those 
tough conversations may be with other professionals mm-hmm. uh, who are from you know these different racial groups. Um, and some of those tough conversations may have to be with your client as you work mm-hmm. through things and you are honest and upfront about what you understand and what you don't yeah. understand yeah. and being willing to be challenged a little bit on your beliefs. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the hope is that, you know, we will have, you know, non-BIPOC, you know, therapists who are willing to be activists and allies with Mm -hmm. us. And so that we're not necessarily feeling like we're shouldering it, you know, all alone by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a lot of work that that is entailed with that. Right. Absolutely. And even as you think about resources, what are some of the mental health resources within our community throughout the province of Ontario or even throughout Canada that Black Canadians can access? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different community resources. Um, you know, there are in within the East and Scarborough, that's where you're from. Uh, I know like there's Taiboo and they have, you know, a mental health component in Peel, as I mentioned. Uh, again, if you're west of, of Toronto, uh, they also have um, their community hub there. Uh, that it's focused on uh, mental health for Black people. Uh, there's also, you know, sprinkles of other community centers, depending on what the need is, um, that can help address this. And I know, for example, City of Toronto has a really good resource on specific Black-centered um, resources if, if you're from the city. Um, however, you know, Black Mental Health Canada is an invaluable resource. Mm-hmm. It is interconnected throughout all Canada. Um, I From, I think, the last check, I'm, I think we pretty much have partners almost in every province and perhaps even one of the territories. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and they are well connected with some of the things that are happening on the ground in the province where you are at. Or if you know, you're know you looking for a therapist, they have a directory of different therapists, uh, some that do offer sliding scales mm-hmm. if finances is, is an issue for you. Um, and as well, they have multiple different programs, training programs for clinicians, uh, they have actual programs for, for youth, they have programs for men, they have groups for women. Um, and so, you know, I would really uh, recommend going to their website, uh, blackmentalhealth.ca, uh, even if it's just as a starting point. Uh, I know the team there is, is, is really uh, centered on ensuring that, you know, every single person who needs support can access that support. And so even if we don't have it within our repertoire, uh, we have enough connections that we can at least try to connect you with somebody um, who will be able to to help you as well. Mm -hmm. And on the blog post, I'll put that link so people can go Mm -hmm. to it. So finally, if there's one takeaway that you have for our listeners, what would it be? I would say, you know, coming, being a black woman, that our mental well-being is vital Mm -hmm. to our overall Mm well-being i think sometimes we do all we do look at it quite siloed you know in the sense that you know we have physical and then we have you know our psychological help Uh, but i would offer up that they are you know they come together they come as a package Mm -hmm. and so it's really important that you're creating that space and you're putting time to really attend to yourself uh psychologically and emotionally Mm -hmm. just as much as you would you know um physically and so, um, you know, where possible, if that means seeing a therapist and kind of working through some things, then, you know, know that that's okay. You know, if it's connecting with your tribe and spending some time in that safe space, that's okay. And also if it's, if it's spending some time alone so you can have some time for reflection, maybe some journaling or meditation, then that's okay. But mm-hmm. the, the, the priority here is prioritizing your mental health. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
So Shanique, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and talking about this very, very important issue of Black Mental Health in Canada. And for my listeners, if you want to check out Shanique, you're going to go over to ShaniqueVictoria.com. Thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. Well, this has been another episode of The Acorn. Remember, the content in these podcast episodes are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Disclaimer. Anything said in this podcast should not be considered as treatment, professional consultation, advice, clinical instruction, or assessment, or any other mental health replacement. Listening to this podcast does not create a therapist-client relationship between you and the podcast host. Always seek the advice of your own mental health provider regarding any questions or concerns you may have about your mental health needs. Also, if you need immediate help, contact your mental health provider or call 911. Take care.